So as you know, we've uh, been taking the last few weeks, and we've been walking through the, the book of Ruth. So we're going to continue this morning. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to take it out and turn with me to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. If you have a, a Bible, a pew Bible, or a, a Bible that's out there, just turn to page 192. I believe that's the page that it's on. And last week, as we took a look at Ruth, and we've been looking at the, the redeeming love of God, we were able to, to listen in and see and hear about Naomi's is in the state of being paralyzed because she has allowed bitterness towards God uh, in her heart and it's taken its hold of her. And we heard last week of how Ruth, sensing the scenario was pretty bleak, she goes to Naomi and she says, Naomi, we need to eat. Will you allow me to go and to work the field so that I may provide food for our family? We see that God blesses Ruth by leading her to the field of Boaz. And in the field of Boaz, she's able to work. And Boaz is a distant relative of both Naomi and Ruth. And while Ruth is extending amazing loving kindness to Naomi, Boaz sees that and determines that he is going to pour out an amazing amount of love and blessing on both Naomi and Ruth. So he provides safety for Ruth, as she works the field, and she also provides, he also provides enough food to sustain this family for more than a year. And it's this loving kindness of Boaz that draws the attention of Naomi. And we see at the end of chapter two that, that God and his love and his grace is beginning to break through the bitterness that has taken hold of Naomi for so long. And we're left with a wondering, well, what's going to happen next? What will happen to Ruth once the reaping season is over? And what will happen to the heart of Naomi? Will she be able to feel again? So hopefully this morning we'll be able to continue and be able to to move on and learn a little bit more about this redeeming love of God. And over the past three weeks, or two weeks, we've uh, learned an important truth every week. And first week we learned that the decisions that we make today direct the paths of our lives, and ultimately tell the stories that our lives will tell. So our lives, the story that our lives are are telling are being determined in the decisions that we make today. Last week, we learned that God is a God of character, and God's character is defined. It's defined in, in its very essence, and He reveals it to us through Scripture and through who He is. But as humans, as those whom he's created, we have a need because our character needs to be developed. And so God is in the process of developing godly character within us. So over time, the more we walk with the Lord, the less and less we look like our old selves and the more and more we look like God. And this week we're going to see that because of our godly character, because God is in the process of developing this godly character in us, it is possible for us to find ourselves in compromising situations and not give in. There's great power that comes with being a child of God that is walking with the God of the universe. We can live in a wicked and depraved world and we cannot fall. So this morning, as we take a look at the third act of Ruth, I think there are two ways in which we can interpret the actions, uh, interpret the, the actions and the words in this chapter. I think we can come from two totally different perspectives. There's, there's a way in which we can approach the word of God this morning from a very worldly perspective. 
We can take on the world's lenses and look at these actions that Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi are, find themselves in, and we can say that everything that they're doing is scandalous. We can say their motives, their thoughts, their actions are totally and absolutely worldly, and that they're no different than anyone else. Or we can come to the Word of God this morning, and we can look at the actions and the attitudes and the motives And judge them through the eyes of God and judge all the actions as righteous. For it is possible for people to live right as they're living out the godly character that God has placed within them or God has developed within them. So it's possible for them to live right. So over the course of this chapter, we will be tempted several times to throw the scandalous flag. We will, be able, we will be tempted to, to interpret the actions and say, that's wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So today, I, I pray instead of doing that, we'll be able to see the actions through the eyes of righteousness. As though something amazing is taking place. As though God and his love and his care and his guiding, protecting hand is at work at the same time as those whom he has created are living in complete and utter obedience. I want us to see this as a beautiful picture of the divine and the created working together in a way that is beautiful. In a way that tells the redeeming story of God. So let's begin as we look at chapter 2. Or chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I want us to see a dramatic change that's taken, in, taken place in the heart of Naomi. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. What I want us to see here, first off, is the change that is taking place in the heart and life of Naomi. She's moved from a place of bitterness to blessing. She has, God has has broken through and she is now is ready to bless others because she has experienced this amazing blessing of God through the hand of Boaz and through the hand of Ruth. Naomi is restored to life. It's as though the rigor mortis that has set into her spiritual life has gone away. And now, because God has broken through, she's able to see things differently. Gone is her anxiety over her own future. Gone is her fear about what may come. And now that that's gone away, she's able to look around and to live within the responsibilities that God has placed before her and around her. See, she understands her responsibility, that she has a position of responsibility over Ruth. Ruth is completely dependent on Naomi. For if Naomi dies, where does that leave Ruth? Well, we know that Ruth is a foreigner. We know that she's a widower or widow. We know that she's fatherless. And we know she's not of these people. So she has no blessing. She has no promise. She has no hope as soon as Naomi goes away. And Naomi understands that. And she understands her responsibility. So for the first time, we see Naomi beginning to look out for the needs of others. She has a heart 
to do something for Ruth. So she calls Ruth close to her and she says, Ruth, my daughter, these tender words. She says, it's my desire that you come to a place where you can seek rest. What was a grain of hope at the end of Act 2 or as an idea has given birth to an amazing plan which is going to include Boaz. It's also going to include the hand of God, and it's going to include Ruth. So Naomi comes up with this risky plan. She says, if God is in this, then it's going to be a beautiful thing. But if God is not in this, it could strike absolute disaster. This plan is going to take place just after Boaz is winnowing at night. Now, what what that means is Boaz has been winnowing the barley from harvest. The barley has been harvested. It's been brought to this place where it now needs to go to the next process of refinement. And so what Boaz was going to do that night is he was going to the threshing floor where he was going to take his pitchfork. He's going to take the pile of barley. He's going to throw it up in the air and allow the wind to do its bidding. And the wind is going to uh, blow away the chaff. It's also going to blow away the smaller grains of barley that aren't any good. And anything that is good is going to fall right to the floor. And it's going to be there for him to take and to make useful again. So it's at this time that Naomi is going to come up with the perfect plan for proposal. Look at me in verses three through five. Naomi says to to Ruth, wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to this man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and cover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you said, I will do. Now, when there are times for, of proposals, there's always comes a great and amazing elaborate plans. you remember the time that you planned to be either proposed to or the time that you proposed? Remember all of the things that, that went, or if you're waiting here for, to be proposed to, or you have hopes of someday of proposing to someone, there's usually an elaborate plan that goes along with that. You think of all these moving pieces that have to be in place. I can think to my own proposal and I remember just wearing myself crazy because I'm like, this, all these things have to come in place in order for me to ask, ask my lovely woman to be my wife. And, and I think to myself, man, well, how great would it be if we had someone like Naomi in our life? Like someone that would just come to us and say, this is what you shall do. This is what you're supposed to do. I got the plan. I know the man. I got the plan. Let's do it. Would that be so, like, take all of the pressure off, right? Now, it depends on if you like the person that you've been designated to marry, but that, that's great. And th- in some ways, that's the way it is. Naomi has come up with the plan because she cares. She understands that if something doesn't happen, Ruth's in a whole heap of a mess. And so she positions herself to help. And she has a very interesting plan. So Naomi gives Ruth instructions. She says, Ruth, go prepare yourself by bathing, perfuming yourself, and putting on a dress. Now, this is important because if we interpret this through the world's eyes, we're going to throw the scandalous flag right out the gate. Because we all know in the world, if you, if you want to snag a man, this is how you do it. Get yourself clean, put on some perfume, and wear a nice revealing dress, right? And you go to him. 
Like you go to him, you, you put yourself in a place where you go to him and allow him to see you in your beauty and your radiance and accentuating all your positives. Is that what's taking place here? I don't think so at all. I choose to interpret these actions from eyes of righteousness. But what's really going on is Naomi is advising Ruth to end her period of mourning and to get on with her life. You see, she too was in a place of great need. She now is the one that needs to be redeemed. She had been in a place of mourning where every single day she was reminding herself of who she wasn't and how she'd lost a great thing. And Naomi goes to her on this day and says, remove that from your life. Go clean yourself up. And you know, what's amazing to me is, is Boaz, because he was a man of character, would have interpreted Ruth's clothing as a way of saying, hey, I'm off limits. And so he couldn't even approach her, even if he wanted to. So this prescription of bathing, perfuming, and changing of clothes also shows up in other places in Scripture. We can see that that David, King David, after the death of his son, the Bible says that he washed, he applied perfume, and he changed his clothes, and he went on to worship. So Naomi is going to Ruth today and she's saying, put off your widowhood and make yourself available to live and to love again. Then go to Boaz. Go to him, watch and wait. Let him work, let him eat, let him drink, let him rest. And once he is asleep, then you draw close to him and uncover his feet. Now it's interesting to look back and say, wait a minute, what are you, what? What are you telling her to do? Like go to him at night in his room, in his place and like lie there close to him and then uncover his feet. That's scandalous. Everything about this plan looks absolutely suspect. Like it's easy for us to look at this plan and say, this is doomed to failure. We know how things like this happen in the world. This plan is flawed. I mean, we can even look to the Bible to see in things like this, they don't end well. I mean, think back to what took place with Lot and his daughters. Remember Lot? His daughters got him drunk one night and then they snuck into the tent and took advantage of him while he was passed out. That didn't end well. What makes this, this encounter too more challenging is the fact that Lot's son was Moab and Moab was the father of the Moabites and Ruth is a Moabite. And it's as though we know that the Moabite people are people that act in scandalous ways. So a little sidebar here I think is interesting. It's, It's amazing to me to see that God is always in the business of redeeming. Do you see He's in the process of redeeming the Moabite past. These people that were scandalous people, God is going to use a Moabite person that is seeking God to live in a righteous way, in some ways restore the name of the Moabite people. Isn't that amazing? God is so good. So we can look at the past and say, I know this isn't going to end well, but then we can also look at the place 
Where is, where is Naomi asking Ruth to go? She's asking her to go to the threshing floor. The threshing floor is a notorious place where scandalous, all kinds of scandalous and unsavory things take place. It's a place where people could easily be robbed. Many people were robbed at the, flesh, the threshing floor after they worked a long day. Robbers would come in the middle of the night and, and steal their stuff and do harm to the people sleeping. It's also a place where, where prostitutes would come in the middle of the night and make themselves available to these men that had worked all day. The threshing floor is not a place good girls go. And Naomi is asking Ruth to go there. Then we also look at the process where she says, go and uncover his feet and wait and present yourself and wait there till he decides what he's going to do. Again, if we look at this from the worldly perspective, we got to ask ourselves, what are you asking her to do? That's crazy talk. Like I can't even imagine as, as a father going to one of my daughters and saying, hey, this is, this is what you need to do. You know that guy over there? He's a good guy, right? What I want you to do is sneak into his house in the middle of the night. Well, get yourself all dressed up. First of all, get yourself all dressed up. Wear that nice perfume that I bought you. Wear that nice dress that I bought you because you're my daughter. Now I want you to go into, climb into his room and lay at his feet and then uncover his feet in the middle of the night. Can you imagine that? Like, I'm not doing that with my daughter. I mean, unless the Lord tells me to. But, I mean, how can we see all these, these, these things through the eyes of righteousness? The delicacy of this scheme and the obvious and potential, potentiality for disaster is extreme. But what if, what if Naomi is exhibiting pure intentions and great faith? What if instead of living the way the world lives, what if she's walking through a place where she wants to exhibit pure intentions and great faith? That changes everything. You see, she is, wants to, to live in pure intentions because she wants to, at this time, practice that chesed that we talked about last week, the, the loving kindness. She now has an opportunity to go to great lengths for the benefit of Ruth. We know that she, to this point, has been the recipient of this loving kindness from both Ruth, Boaz, and God. But now she wants to extend this to Ruth. So she's coming from a place that's pure. Not in a place that's hoping to deceive. But she's also exhibiting great faith. First, she's exhibiting great faith in the hands of God as though she sees this as an opportunity for to exercise faith that God has provided this private context in which Ruth can approach Boaz concerning the matter of marriage. The text alludes to this later on, but I think this is important that they do it at night because as soon as Ruth makes herself available, there's an opportunity for someone else to approach her and to ask her to be married. And that's what Boaz talks about that a little bit later. So it's important that it has to be almost immediate. After she changes her clothes, she's got to go make herself available to the one that God has designed and determined. So Ruth or Naomi is exhibiting great faith in the hand of God, but also in both Ruth and Boaz. She's placing faith that both of them are going to act 
with the utmost of character in this situation. She has to trust that Boaz is going to interpret Ruth's actions in a pure way. So great faith, pure intentions. And now we see the unfolding of the plan. Look with me at verses five and six. And so she replied, all that you've said I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. I think it's amazing to me how Ruth continues to show her godly character in that fact that she completely and absolutely submits to the plan of Naomi. She's also following into the family structure, the way it's supposed to work back in that day. For Ruth could not go on her own. She lived underneath, lived submitting to Naomi. So Naomi had to give her permission. And she's not able to act until she has permission. So we see here in the unfolding plan, she has permission and now she's able to go. And then in verse seven, we have another opportunity to throw the scandalous flag, but we're going to hold it back as we're going to see in just a moment. As she goes, we see what's Boaz doing in in verse seven. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and covered his feet and lay down. I think we also can see the godly character of Boaz prior to the proposal. As Boaz enters the scene, we're we're tempted to throw the flag, as I said, but instead we must see this picture in a different way. Maybe Boaz is not a man who who has worked just so that he can go get drunk and so that he can go pass out. What if instead this is a man who sees exactly what's going on? A man that has worked hard because God has provided and he's enjoying the provision of God as he is at that threshing floor winnowing the barley? And what if at the end of the day, he's able to lay at complete rest with he himself and his God? That's an amazing place to be when we know that we've worked hard, when we've done what the Lord has asked us to do and we sit in his provision and we see his blessing and we're able to lay our heads down at night saying, thank you, God. Sometimes in my life, I wish I had more of those nights. Instead of worrying about the future, instead of worrying about this, just being able to give it to God and rest. So that's what I think is happening. And as Boaz is in this place of rest with God, where he's at peace with himself and God, Ruth moves closer. And we have to wait and see what's going to happen. You see, in my house, bad, thing happen, bad things happen when I'm awakened after midnight when I'm sleeping, when I'm at rest. I I become a different person. I don't know what it is, but somewhere between the hours of midnight and 4 a.m., you come and approach me at night, you move the covers off my feet, there's gonna be problems. It's like this demon or this something inside of me is awakened and I become this gruff, angry person. And I remember several times where my children come in and, and their first response is, like, dad, dad, I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> Cower back. I'm going to go talk to mom. <laughs> I 
I, I pray that the Lord helps me in those times. <laughs> but that's not exactly how Boaz responds. Uh, but he could. But, but we see some bad things can happen if they're awakened in the middle of the night. And we see that Boaz reacts very, very differently uh, than I probably would. At midnight, verse 8, he says, At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. We see that as Ruth comes, Boaz is startled. And as anyone that is, has been working hard at the threshing floor all night long, he immediately wants to identify who this person is because who this person is will determine how he responds. As I said before, this person is a robber, then he's got to respond in a very different way. Or if this person is a prostitute, he's got to respond in a very different way. But he finds out that it's Ruth. And so once he finds out that it's Ruth, he has an opportunity to respond in one of three ways. One way is he can momentarily reject his godly character that had been developing inside of him. He could interpret Ruth's actions in a way, and he could take advantage of that. Or he could be a man that continues to live in his godly character, and he could, he could see what Ruth is doing, and he could refuse her, and he could accuse her. Or as a man of godly character, he could recognize Ruth as a woman of godly character, and he can interpret it her actions as a righteous overture of love. And I'm glad he chooses the third. So Boaz has a few things in, in, this, in these wee hours of the night or the early hours of the morning. He has an opportunity to, to interpret a couple things about Ruth that's different. He has an opportunity to interpret her wardrobe and he also has an opportunity to interpret her words and that helps him understand how he's supposed to respond. You see, he looks at her wardrobe, but he understands gone are those widow's clothes. A new day has dawned for Ruth. She now is available. But then she uses words. She identifies herself as a servant. She says, you, I know who you are. You are my master. I am your servant. I know that I am an uninvited guest on your turf. I understand I'm a woman. I understand I'm a, a foreigner. I know who I am. And I know who you are. You have great potential to redeem me. You don't have to, but you have the right. And I'm available. Please redeem me. And I love how she references back to uh, Boaz's prayer in chapter 2, verse 12. Remember Boaz prayed for her that, that God would spread his wings over her and protect her? Well, she says the same thing. She says, spread your wings over me. In essence, what you prayed for the Lord to do to me and for me, I'm asking you to be the fulfillment of that for me. Be my protector. Give me security. And with it, she's opening the door for a new relation to begin. Because think of how beautiful it is to be under the wings in a very, very close and safe place. She says, you are my redeemer. You are a redeemer. 
Ruth, Ruth is making Boaz aware that he's not obligated to be the redeemer, but he could be, and that she is available. You see, kinsmen redeemers were the provision of God that he gave his people for, uh, he allowed a relative to step in and help a family member that was in need, to save a family member that was uh, destitute or someone that was in slavery or in, in great pain or owed a great debt. A kinsman redeemer could come in and pay the penalty or pay the price for them and help free them. And so Boaz is able to do this for Ruth. So Ruth is saying, I'm available if you were willing. And then we have to hold our breath because we don't know how he's going to respond. This is normally where on a, a TV show, if you're watching a TV show, they say, and now, commercial break. And then you go see things about Wheaties or Snickers or other things like that, and you have to, to wait. But we don't have to wait. We can jump right in. So there's no commercial break. We can see exactly how Boaz responds. Look with me in verse 10. And he says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he does, if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. What, what I want us to see in Boaz's response is that he has not been oblivious to Ruth. This whole time, he has had the ability to redeem her. But certain barriers stood in the way of him being able to redeem her. And some of those barriers rested in Ruth. So one barrier we saw earlier is that she, he could not pursue her because she was wearing her widow's clothes. She had to repent of that old way. She had to let go of her old self and be able to be ready to take on this new life and new opportunity. The second barrier we, we understand is that he, there were other desirable bachelors. Perhaps Boaz was pretty old. Perhaps he might not have been the most attractive, most eligible. But we see that that stood in the way. But she chose him. And so the one that is the redeemer has to wait to redeem until the one he loves shows love and affection back. Isn't it amazing when we are chosen by the one we love? That's a, that's a special thing. And so Boaz understands that. He's like, you could have anyone else. And, and yet, you've made yourself available to me. Well, the third barrier. We, we see that Boaz probably desired to pursue Ruth, but there was a problem. Verse 12 shows us that there was a closer redeemer, which shows us a couple things. One, Boaz has done his homework. 
He knows that he has no chance. Maybe someday if she changes her clothes and she comes another way, that he, he's still not the next one in line, that someone else is there, a closer redeemer. And so that barrier has to be overcome too before the relationship can continue. So we see in verse 13, he lays down the plan. Tomorrow he will go, and if your redeemer is willing, great. If not, I will do it. So here we're left with another cliffhanger. We have to wait and see how this matter will turn out. We have to wait till next week to see, will Boaz meet the Redeemer? Will he follow through? What will the Redeemer do? Will he choose the Redeemer? Will he be able to take Ruth as his own? You have to come back next week to find out. So what does all this have to do with our lives? How do we take this story, this biblical account of Ruth, and how does it make sense in our day-to-day life? I want to leave us with, with three thoughts. Just as Boaz had the potential to be the redeemer, we have the potential of being redeemed by someone even greater. You see, Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus did not leave us in our sinful state, but he came and he pursued us. He gave up heaven and lived on this earth, taking on the form of both God and man, and he lived a perfect life. He lived in obedience in ways we never could, in ways that we choose not to. He chose to live in complete and utter obedience to God the Father. And then he went up to a cross. And on the cross, he paid the penalty that was due you and me for all of our sin. He stepped in and he redeemed us on that cross. Jesus is our great redeemer. He did this in order to buy us back from the pit so that our relationship with God may be restored. And maybe you're here today and maybe for the first time in your life you sense the need. You understand that there is a a great chasm between you and God because of your sin. And maybe in your life you've tried to be good, you've tried to live right, and you've tried to, to do right things in order to try and close that gap between you and a holy God. And I want to tell you this morning, you can't. There's nothing you can do to be restored to God unless you come to the feet of the Redeemer and you make yourself bare. You expose yourself for who you really are at the feet of Jesus. I think Ruth does a great job of modeling the way that we should approach our Redeemer. For those of you that that have never come to know Christ, this this is a model. But for those of us that have also come to that place that we live now in the forgiveness and grace of God, it's still a way that we should approach our Redeemer. Ruth lays herself at the feet of a redeemer. She places herself there. And that act alone is scandalous to our world. 
Because we're, we live in a world where we're self-righteous and we're self-made and, and everyone wants to see what I can do for myself. But when you lay yourself at the feet of another because you understand your need, that's an amazing place to be. I love the book of James in the New Testament. James chapter four, six through 10, gives us a similar picture to that of Ruth, of what, what we should do in not only coming to salvation, but in our daily walk. James says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. I don't know if you can be at any more vulnerable place than to take the, tr- the, the steps down into our beings before the Lord, where we expose our hearts to God, where we say, God, this is my heart, where we say, God, this is my mind. I give you my, I give you my thoughts. I give you my desires. I give you my feelings. God, I give you my work through all my hands. And we say, this is, this is what I am. And when we come to that place, what, is, what does it say? When we come to that place of humility, the promise is, is that he will exalt us. He will lift us up. So when we go low and make ourselves low before God, he promises to pick us up and exalt us. That's the power of a redeemer. And lastly, I think the book of Ruth, this chapter in Ruth, helps remind us that we do not have to go the way of the world. We do not have to follow the path that millions have gone before us. We can live as people that have our character completely intact. If we walk with the Lord, if we continue to pursue him, and we become like him, more like him, we can live in this wicked and depraved world and it not change us but yet God can use us to be agents of change. So wherever you're at today, in just a few moments, we're going to have a a song, just a time to respond. And this is a time for you to ask yourself the question, God, what are you trying to tell me today? Because I believe that the word of God speaks. I believe that God has been with us today. His presence has been moving in and among this room. And I believe that if you've been listening at all, he's speaking to you in some way. I just ask in these next few moments that you respond and you be obedient to whatever he's telling you to do. If you're here today and you want to call on the name of the Lord for salvation, you can. Say, Lord, I I want to get rid of my dirty rags. I want to get rid of my widow's clothes. I want to just come at your feet. God, redeem me. And he will. Maybe there's something else God has been working on you with. I'm gonna give you just a time just to take these moments with the Lord and respond however you need to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. Father, I thank you that this story, this account that you've given us through the book of Ruth is not a fable, it's not a tale, it is real that Ruth was a real person, that Boaz was a real person, Naomi was a real person, 
and that you care for them in the realness of their lives. And so, Father, if you cared for real people back then, you care for real people today. So, Father, in the midst of our realness, in the midst of our beauty, in the midst of our shame, in the midst of our pain, oh, God, I pray that we would look to you, call out to you, and allow you to redeem us. Father, there are things in our lives that need redemption. Maybe there are broken relationships. Maybe there are broken promises. Maybe there's great and deep pain because we have been hurt. So I pray, God, today, would you allow today for us to turn to you and to call on you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.